Hello, and welcome to the James Sheets Podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message. We're in Genesis chapter 12. I'm going to read just the first five verses. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee, and I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curses thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was seventy and five years old when he departed out of Haran. Abram took Sarah, his wife, Lot, his brother's son, and all their substance that they had gathered, and the souls that they had gotten in Haran. They went forth to go into the land of Canaan, and into the land of Canaan. Lord, we thank you for this time of sharing and time of worship. Time when we can come apart from the affairs of our daily lives and center our thoughts upon thee. May the expression of the scripture, the hymns that we've sung, the special music we've heard, the prayers have been prayed, now the message, have something for our hearts and souls. In our midst, bless us. Uh, we're not really sure uh, 
as to the exact location of the origin of this family, but we do find out that uh, they moved to a community called Ur, which was along the uh, Euphrates River in what we normally call out as Mesopotamia, just a short distance north of the Persian Gulf. We know that the town existed. They have discovered it, and uh, scientists and archaeologists so on have learned lots about it. But he probably migrated to to the town of Ur from further north, maybe up around the community of Haran. Uh, uh, now he had a son named Haran, uh, that is uh, Terah did, a brother of Abraham. And it may very well be that he named him after the town, or the town might have been named after him. There's a lot of vagueness about that, but but for some reason or other. Terah brought his family somewhere out of the north uh, and brought them down to the community of Ur, and they lived there a long time. And it was here that the one son, Haran, died. He died after being married and had one child whose name was Lot. And then Terah got the idea that he needed to go from Ur to the land of Canaan. We'll find that in the latter portions of the 11th chapter. And in order to do that, he started north and went back to the community of Aaron. As a matter of fact, in my mind, the way I'm studying Bible history, I think that was the origin of this family. And they came from Aaron down to Aaron. Now they go back to Aaron. And it probably was uh, the community of Aaron uh, that caused Terah to name one of his sons. But he died a young man just about one son. So, he and the two sons that are left, and the families that they have gathered, migrate back to Haran. And it is there in the community of Haran that Terah dies. And so we now have simply uh, two brothers, Abram and Nahor, and uh, the son of the third brother, whose name now is, is Lot. And in the beginning of the twelfth chapter, we have the Lord speaking to Abram, as he was known at that time, that evidently he is to fulfill the dream of his father. And God says to Abraham that he is to go to a land where he will show him. This is really the first uh, great commission, if you want to put it in those terms. The Lord gave a great commission before he ascended back to heaven to go into all the world and preach the gospel and so on. The Lord gives a commission to Abraham to leave his home and to go to a strange land, a land that he was showing, but a land where Abraham had never been. There's lots of things that God has not revealed to Abraham and never will as far as that's concerned. I want us to look at some things about this uh, command to to Abram to leave his home and to go to a strange land, and what all of this means, and how we actually fit into this full picture. First of all, I want us to look at the, the sovereign purpose of God. We've got to realize that God is developing a plan for the salvation of the world. The plan of redemption is being developed. It is through the Hebrew nation. And Abraham, as the father of that nation, 
that the Savior of the world is to be presented. And even though Abram, as he was called at that time, did not understand uh, hardly anything about the purpose that God had in mind, he instructed Abram to leave his home and to go to another place. It is not necessary that a person understands the complete purpose that God has. It isn't necessary. Abram did not get a full picture as to the purpose that God had for him, or how he fit into the picture. The only thing Abram knew that God told him to leave your homeland and go to a strange land that I will show you. That's all he is instructed and it's interesting to me in that fifth verse that they went forth to go into the land of Canaan and into the land of Canaan they came, indicating that Abram was absolutely faithful to the command that God had given him without knowing why. He simply said, go, and Abraham said, I will go, and so he went. Now, you and I have a part to play in God's scheme of things as well. We are a player in a huge play, an actor. We're here to perform a certain part of the play. It probably will be a very small act, a single word to be spoken, a, a single appearance to be made, a wee little insignificant place in history is all that he has assigned us to perform. And yet he has given us that responsibility. And as God did not reveal to Abram the entire purpose that he had, neither does he reveal to us how we fit into the overall scheme of things. And it is not important, I repeat, it is not important that we understand our place in God's work. It is only important that we obey him when he gives us the command. That's all. We need not know what our purpose is. As a complete army goes forth to war, the general has the whole scheme of things lined out in his mind. He simply tells his underlings, his uh, captains and, and sergeants and so on, the very responsibility that they have. Your mission is to take and hold a certain hill. And the sergeant or, or lieutenant or whoever leads his army to that hill does not understand why it is so important to hold this particular position. They simply know their instructions are to follow and to take an objective or to hold a position. That's their responsibility. And so it is to you and me in the affairs of God's kingdom that we not worry about whether we understand fully what he's got in mind. It's simply to do what we have been assigned to do. That's hard for us to take. Our human nature says, I want to know the whole scheme of things before I leave the book. You tell that to a general in the service what you get. You tell that to the principal of the high school. Uh, your boss on the job. 
when you or I say, I don't understand why you're asking this. And he said, it's not your responsibility to understand it all. That's mine. You just do what you're assigned. So it is our position with God. It's interesting in the book of Hebrews that the writer there talks about this very experience. And in the book of Hebrews, in the 11th chapter, we have these words. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out, not knowing whither he went. By faith, he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which had foundation, whose builder and maker is God. Isn't it interesting that Abraham is still looking for the same city that we sing about? Verse 11. Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age, because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore sprang uh, there even of one, and him as good as dead, as referring to uh, Isaac. So many as the stars are of the sky and multitude, and as which is by the seashore innumerable. These, and here's the phrase in the, the, the verse I want you to notice, these all died in faith, not having received the promise, but having a seed afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. What's all that say? It's saying that Abraham and all of those, Isaac and Jacob and so on, only had a very narrow glimpse of the purpose of God, but they were obedient even in fully of it. Even Sarah herself was, even though she laughed at the idea. That's just a little cog and a big wheel. And yet it's so important. We have a tendency to say, I'm not significant. I'm just a person who belongs to the Wild Branch Baptist Church, and, and I don't mean anything. Let me tell you something. You do mean a lot in the scheme that God has established. If you don't do your part, it will go undone unless God assigns it to somebody else. You've heard the story all the years about the horseshoe nail. For the want of a nail, the shoe was lost. For the want of a shoe, the horse. For the want of the horse, the rider was lost. For the want of the rider, the battle was lost. All for the loss of the horseshoe. If we could give a mind to the nail and let it speak, it probably would say, I mean nothing. Everybody talks on me all day long. I'm simply stepped upon continually. I don't mean anything. I'm just a little old nail in a shoe, and the battle is way out there. But it was the nail that made the difference in whether the battle was won or lost. It is the insignificant person, you and I and all of us, who matter when we are put to God's task. If we're the nail or the shoe or the horse or the rider, we must perform our responsibility if God's will is to be performed in this world. And Abraham was willing to fit into that picture. We have a part. Let's go further. Let's see what he asked of Abraham. The implications of God's call. Number one, he asked that, God, that Abraham separate himself from his family and go out doing what he had to do. I don't know whether you think much about it or not. 
But you know, a preacher is almost always a stranger. He never, almost never, let me say it that way, he never put down roots in his community. He's, you know how long a preacher on the average lasts in Baptist churches? Three years is a pretty good time frame. I don't know, I'm just about to finish up four as of next month, so maybe I'll last a little longer than the average. A preacher usually is afraid to put down roots. This becomes a real problem when there are kids that are of school age. Who can't seem to really find somebody that is family and home and friends and hold on to them. And the disruption of that family to move to another community tears a preacher's family to bits. Every time it happens. My kids suffered tremendously when they were growing up with the change in tactics. Because they just got acquainted with the kids in school and were set into it. And, and one of the girls was, was a cheerleader and, and the boy played football and all of a sudden we no longer could play football, and she no longer was a cheerleader, and you know, on and on this stuff goes. It's a real problem. Abraham was asked to uproot his family and move. Where they weren't going to know anybody into a complete strange land, separate himself from everything he had known. So, because God asked. And they went. Now, this created some problems. Because when Abraham got over there in Cana, this nephew, Lot, that he had taken to raise, had different ideas about what ought to happen in the family. And he sort of liked the community around about. And particularly, he made some visits down to Sodom and Gomorrah. And let me tell you, they were interesting towns. And he thought that he ought to go down there and investigate. And there came this confusion. And he was a grown man but now between his uh, herdsman and Abraham's herdsman. And so they separated. And Abraham gave Lot the opportunity to make a choice. And so he turned his eye toward the fine plains, toward the place where there were the cities of entertainment, and went that direction. God asks us to live in a strange world. As a matter of fact, we say, this world is not my home. We don't belong here. We have a citizenship in an entirely different type of world. To know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior puts our citizenship in heaven with God. We're sojourners here for a short period of time. We, however, are assigned the task of living in the world. Not of the world, but in it. Not be a part of it, but be in it. To influence it for good. I'd advise a few people even in this congregation, listen, you're going to have to weigh it carefully. As long as you're influencing your friends for the better, that's your place. But if the tables turn and they start influencing you for the worse, you'd better be careful. We're here to be in the world to influence it for better. But Lot allowed the world to influence him and his family remember the, the outcome of that. We are to come out from amongst the world and be separate. You see, the world has different values than we have. The world has different laws, different allegiances, different goals and purposes. If they don't have, there's something wrong with us. 
like the world sees them. The problem is not with the world, but with us. If our morals are no different than the morals of the world, the problem is us. If our value systems and our allegiances are not of God, the problem is with us. If it's a choice of church or something else and we choose the other, our problem is with us. If the people we follow are of the world, then our goals, our purposes, our aims in life are wrong. We are to go where God will lead us, but we are not to be absorbed by this community into which we go. Abraham kept himself fairly well, there were a few slip-ups here and there, separated in order that he might serve the purpose that God had, and he didn't even know what the purpose was. He just knew that he was to be faithful to God and do what he said to do. I'll close. This one is only half the sermon. I might do the rest of it tonight. I want you to look at one thing first. The other involvement that God placed upon Abraham was that he required obedience. He said, get you out from among your family and kindred and go to a land that I will show you. And that verse 5 says, and they went forth to go into the land of Canaan and into the land of Canaan they came. Meaning that they were absolutely obedient. I want to ask you, what evidence can you give that you are faithful? I'm going to answer. There is one evidence, one word, that will prove your faithfulness to God. That's the word obedience. Obedience. First Samuel, 15th chapter. Verse Story of Saul, who had been sent out to conquer the Amalekites, or the Amalekites, whichever way you want to pronounce it. And he was instructed of God to destroy everything, all the animals and all the people. And Samuel the prophet came and he heard bleating of sheep and the lowing of cattle. And he saw King Agag still alive and asked Saul what all of this meant. And Saul said, oh, well, the people kept all this stuff, but see, we were going to take these animals and offer them as a sacrifice to God. This was our purpose. And Samuel said to Saul, hath the Lord a great, as great a delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearten than the fat of the rams. Did you hear the word obey in there? What did he say? To obey is better than sacrificing. I would suggest to you to obey God is better than attending church. To obey God is better than praying. To obey God is better than giving or than singing or than preaching or than teaching. Obedience is the thing that God wants. There is no substitute for being obedient. Let me read a passage from Deuteronomy in person. 
five things he said are required, and one of them was obedience. Better than anything else. That's all that the Lord requires. So, let me stop at this point by simply saying, in summary, that it really is not necessary that you and I know what God's plan is. Now, where we're going, the how we fit into it, if we're the horseshoe nail, stick there. If we're the horseshoe, or the horse, or the rider, whatever our task is assigned of God, our responsibility is to obey and go where he sends us and do what he says for us to do. That's all. It's that simple. To serve God like we ought to is all tied up in one word, obedience. Just do what he says. Don't worry about the consequences. He'll take care of it. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button. You'll receive automatic notifications and downloads when a new message is added to the podcast. Also, please leave a five-star review and take the opportunity to share stories, memories, and appreciation for James Sheets and how God used him to impact your life. If you'd like to know why and how this podcast got started, check out our first episode. Lastly, if you want to donate to help offset the cost of operating this podcast, you'll find a link to our PayPal account in the podcast description and email us at james.com sheets.podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and remember to trust in God for today and for all of your tomorrows.